Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back riding solo after a pair of highly enjoyable shows recorded with Duncan from the Then Now Whatever podcast. Uh, Thank you all kindly for your feedback on those. I know the sound quality on the first wasn't the best, but I have had a lot of positive feedback on the second show now, so thank you all again. I look forward to being able to record with Duncan again sometime in the future and hopefully pick up where we left off with Impact and Raw. So give us your thoughts and feedback on that as always on Twitter and let us know what you think about that for an idea. And if any other podcasters do feel like collaborating, uh, coming on the show for a specific event, giving some feedback or thoughts or something to read out or play on the show, please get in touch. Um, Always open to suggestions and looking for new ways to improve the show. Um, Being still relatively in its infancy, I'm not actively going out and chasing people to come on the show, just because I still don't really know what I'm doing with a lot of this stuff. But if anyone feels like getting involved, please get in touch with me um, on Twitter. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and on 4CR, uh, so look us up there as well. And now it's time to get on with this week's edition. So we've got a quick fire episode back on the 1995 timeline. Uh, we're looking at November 13's episode of Nitro and Raw. Uh, it's a go-home show to Survivor Series and two weeks before the big World War III pay-per-view for WCW. In the ratings, Raw actually came out ahead in this one with a 2.6 rating up against Nitro's 2 even. So interesting to see that Raw got a, a decent lead in this week and we'll see if, that's, uh, if that rings true when we review the shows. Apologies in advance if my notes for Raw are a little hazy. I actually watched Raw a couple of weeks back before Duncan and I decided to get on board and do some shows together. And I've just watched Nitro now, fresh off, finishing my final assignments for the university term and flying back from the Cook Islands. So hopefully they'll mesh together pretty well um, and we'll see if it skews any bias towards Nitro, which is a bit fresher in the memory. All that being said, let's get on with the show and we're going to start with Monday Night Raw. opens up with a video package showing the issues between Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid, voiced over by Vince McMahon, who tells us they've clashed on the WWF's World Tour de Force, and now the Intercontinental title match for the evening, Razor Ramon defending against Sid with the 123 Kid as a special referee, has been changed to a non-title match. Uh, Seems a little bit unfair on Sid that the Kid and Razor are not getting along so he loses his title shot, Uh, but nothing really comes of that, so I guess Sid wasn't too fussed about the IC title. Our commentators for the evening are Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler, and we begin with Triple H up against Henry Godwin. Triple H has got the jobber entrance in the ring already, and Henry Godwin comes out to a pop much bigger than I think he deserved, but the crowd seemed to be behind him here in 95. As he comes to the ring, H sprays him with um, what looks like the old arrogance canister a la Rick Martel. 
This allows Triple H to attack on the outside. He rams Henry Godwin's head into the steps, then curtsies at ringside. Before Henry Godwin goes and gets a slop bucket, Triple H retreats and Henry Godwin slops himself. This disgusts Triple H who runs away down the aisle, um, slipping in the slop on his way out um, and he's counted out by the referee giving Henry Godwin the win pretty much straight away. So we're now about five minutes into the show and we go backstage to Doc Hendricks for the Survivor Series rundown. I know in the past I've mentioned my dislike of the, the format of doing this and really it's a wonder more people didn't channel surf over to Nitro when five minutes in they were hocking a pay-per-view in a pretty lengthy segment. We then get a video package hyping how brave Shawn Michaels is. Um, I don't think he's that brave considering he refused to lose a belt and he was back three weeks later, but that's a personal opinion I've stated already on the show. And the video package tells us how good he is, and that is something I definitely can't disagree with because in the mid-90s he was definitely the best performer for my money. From there we go into our next matchup, which is Ahmed Johnson up against Jake Steele. Um, Ahmed Johnson comes in and he hooks up early, drives him to the corner and gives a clean break and offers a handshake. Um, obviously the, the handshake's not taken by Jake Steele. The second time they lock up, Jake Steele takes the cheap shot afterwards, nailing Ahmed Johnson, who no-sells it pretty quickly, and nails him with a huge clothesline. We get an inset promo from Shawn Michaels talking up he and Ahmed Johnson being partners at the Survivor Series. And when we come back, we've got a nice elbow from Ahmed Johnson. We're told next week we'll see Shawn Michaels face Owen Hart, and I'm wondering ahead of time if that's the concussion angle um i know we're post the um i can't remember where the place was now the beat down with the, with the army guys um so i'm assuming that might be the, the match but stay tuned and we'll find out together ahmed nails a big spine buster and has his tongue wagging like michael jordan and sure enough vince mcmahon makes a reference on commentary Ahmed then hits a Pearl River plunge, which Vince calls a tiger bomb for the one two three in a decent squash match that really showcased ahmed's strength we have a commercial break, and when we come back, Ahmed's ringside with Vince McMahon, who gives a promo saying some stuff that I didn't understand, so I can't really recap it for you here. And then we go to Barry Dudinsky selling the 1996 calendar of the WWF, $21 plus postage and handling, and you get a free diesel glove and sunglasses. What a bargain. It's then Survivor Series hype time, and the face-to-face -face showdown we were promised between Diesel and Bret Hart is actually not face-to-face, -face. it's Vince McMahon interviewing them both on split screen in separate locker rooms. Vince starts by calling Diesel the Big D. <sighs> Make your own jokes there, I've not got time to write them. Diesel tells everybody that he is the best. Bret reminds him that he never actually lost the belt. Of course, it was the fact that uh, his mother threw in the towel in his match with Bob Backlund that cost him the title, so he's basically saying he didn't submit and wasn't pinned. Um, Brett says that he's Diesel's toughest match to date. Um, Diesel does pipe up and say that Sean was a pretty tough match as well. Brett suggests that Diesel struggles against smaller technical wrestlers and Diesel has managed to pick his opponents well to keep his title reign. Uh, he didn't pick them too well to pop ratings though. Diesel gets pretty serious and tells Brett that he wants to knock him out. Um, he's pretty sour-faced at this point, looking pretty angry. He's doing a, a good job here. Brett's not quite as good on the other side of the fence. Promos were never his strong point, especially as a good guy. Um, he says he's going at it again, not because of the money, um, but he wants to make more memories and he wants his title belt back. This promo went a little bit long and wasn't the advertised face-to-face -face showdown, so it was a little bit of a disappointment for me. But what comes next certainly perks my interest right back up. It's Vince McMahon versus Jerry the King Lawler. Yes, you heard it right. It's Vince up against Lawler, but no, I wasn't entirely truthful. It's a Milton Bra Bradley karate fighters matchup. Uh, we get a 
a back and forth with the karate fighters with Vince and Jerry Lawler, with Jerry getting the win, but an instant replay shows as he cheated by taping his karate fighter down so it couldn't come off. Uh, it was a little bit lame, but it was pretty funny. I certainly enjoyed it. Up next, we've got Mabel facing off against Roy Raymond. Mabel, again, is carried out, and one of the men carrying him out this time around is Rhino. So if you were carrying Mabel around this time period, good chance you were going to have a future. We go back for an Undertaker promo on Mabel, promising revenge, and when Mabel's shown getting into the ring, he has got soaking a soaking wet mohawk. It looks like dog's hair. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Mabel starts off pretty hot, though. Some corner Irish whips and some stomps, an overhead throw, um, and he no-sells a drop kick from Roy Raymond. Um, the commentators hype the superstar line and tell us to phone up to find out who's been injured. And then Mabel uses the old Mr. Perfect flipping wet uh, neck snap, which was an interesting move. Uh, then hits an avalanche and a belly-to-belly -belly suplex for a three count in another decent squash match that showed off Mabel's strengths. We go to a fake Bill Clinton hyping up the Survivor Series that's going to be in Washington. A um, bit of a cheesy way to hype it up, but they are doing a good job at letting you know there's a pay-per-view coming up. I'll give them that. We then get Psycho Sid coming out for the main event before going to a commercial break and Razor Ramon coming out to a really decent pop to that classic Razor Ramon music. He gets Pyro in the ring as well, and the pop still, still appears to be going strong while the Pyro is going off, so crowd really behind Razor here. Uh, Sid goes on the offense early, before Razor fires back with some nice punches, uh, sending Sid out to the outside. Razor ducks underneath a clothesline, but coming off the ropes gets caught with a huge big boot by Sid to send him down. This picks up Sid a two count from the 1-2-3 kid. They have a series of reversals and switches before Sid fires out with a really big one-arm choke slam on Razor. That was pretty impressive looking. He doesn't go for a pin, and this allows us to show a replay of the choke slam. And on second viewing, it was still really nice looking. Sid distracts the 1-2-3 kid, which allows Ted DiBiase to get some cheap shots on Razor at ringside. Then Sid goes back on the offense, nailing Razor with a, a few stomps and strikes before Razor fires back and hits a face buster and then a knee lift on Sid. He goes for the Razor's edge, but as usual, when he's near the ropes, Sid back body drops him outside the ring. This again allows Ted DiBiase to put the boots to Razor on the outside. Dean Douglas is watching from the aisle at this point, and yes, if you were wondering, once again, he's back in his dad jeans and tucked in shirt. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, it's Dean Douglas's turn to be stomping all over Razor, while Sid and DBS, oh, DBS, sorry, jointly distract the 1-2-3 kid. When Razor ends up back in the ring, Sid nails a nice side suplex for a two-count, followed by a leg drop for another two-count on Razor. Sid, though, begins to paintball Razor a little bit, who gets him up in an electric chair drop and nearly kills him with the drop. It was really nasty looking, that spot. Just Sid ended up over-rotating and sort of landed on his head. He's very lucky it didn't go worse than what it did. This allows Razor to get back on the offense, however, and he hits a second rope bulldog for a two-count. And then Sid reverses an Irish whip, puts his head down for the back body drop, and in wrestling logic, despite the fact that he's going for an offensive move, Razor stops, puts his legs over Sid's head, and does his Razor's Edge pose with his arms while Sid makes no attempt to get out of it. 
but alas, it doesn't cost him dearly because Razor puts Sid up for the edge and the 1-2-3 kid from behind grabs Sid's legs and pulls him down off of Razor's shoulders. The distraction allows Sid to get the powerbomb on Razor and the kid with an extremely fast three count gives Sid the 1-2-3 for the win. Ted DiBiotti goes back to his old 80s heel shtick as he sticks some money in Razor Ramon's mouth and in a pretty funny spot the 1-2-3 kid sneaks up behind, takes it out of Razor's mouth and sticks it in his pocket. We get another commercial for the WWF's World Tour de Force, and in case you were wondering, yes, once again, it is only American cities on this World Tour. And the show ends with Razor Ramon running backstage to try and get after Sid, the 1-2-3 Kid, and Ted DiBiase. It's a bit of a chaotic ending for a pretty decent episode of Monday Night Raw, with a couple of good squash matches, one waste of time in the show opener, and a pretty decent main event with some good star power, so... Uh, Raw, not too bad overall. Let's go to WCW and see if they had anything that could match this. Nitro is coming to us from Jacksonville, Florida, with the usual commentary team of Steve Mongo McMichael, Eric Bischoff, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Before we get underway talking about this show, though, um, the thumbnail on the WWE Network caught my attention. It's Hulk Hogan in a mask with a sword. Um, if you don't want to watch this episode, I won't tell you to do so, but I would suggest go and look up the thumbnail for this one on the network and just look at what a tit Hulk Hogan looks like here. Uh, Mongo's not really gone to too much trouble with his outfit for Pepe this week. He's just wearing a cape. Um, I mean, it does reference him being a superhero like the superheroes of WCW, but I think they just couldn't come up with anything better. The commentary team begin uh, discussing the de decision to have the World War III 60-man three-ring battle royal uh, held for the WCW title, which has been vacated, stripped from the giant after the controversy with his match with Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart defecting, and the dodgy contract. And then we go to Hulk Hogan, who appears to be in a graveyard, a la an old-school Undertaker promo, with the black cloak, mask, and gloves I mentioned earlier, looking like a fucking idiot. Um, he's got a sword as well, and he says that the Macho Man is going to bring in Meng's head. Uh, okay, no worries, and he wants to know if Sting is a maniac or not. I always hate when Hulk Hogan refers to other wrestlers as Hulkamaniacs. For me, it just demeans him and makes sure to place any other babyface beneath him. And he does it with every babyface that comes close to him in popularity. I remember at WrestleMania 9 when he called Bret Hart a Hulkamaniac, and I just thought, you asshole. 
Um, and the other thing that this segment struck me as is how did Hulk Hogan ever get movies? Because if you watch this scene, you wouldn't hire him for a high school uh, play of Macbeth. It was bloody awful. Anywho, enough ranting about the initial Hulk Hogan segment. The match lineup for tonight does look pretty decent, and we start off with Meng up against the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Meng comes out with Kevin Sullivan, who's in the red and yellow of Hulkamania, uh, looking like a little bit of a tool, but that's okay. Uh, and Macho Man is now announced as being from the dark side of Venice Beach, California. Uh, he also comes through the crowd and attacks Kevin Sullivan and Meng early, sends Meng to the outside and headfirst into the steel post then into the guardrail a few times before throwing him back in the ring and going to the usual Hulk Hogan heel offense of eye rakes and chokes on the ropes. Hits a slam and Kevin Sullivan goes up top to distract the Macho Man, but he gets nailed by Savage. Um, Meng blocks the axe handle off the top rope when Macho Man goes up with a gut punch and this brings Jimmy Hart out to ringside as well. On the outside, Meng sends the Macho Man into the rail, then the ring post of his own, before ripping his shirt and chopping him to oblivion in the corner before switching to some kicks in the corner, going back to some chops in the corner, going back to some kicks in the corner, and then a choke in the corner, slowing the match right down. Uh, finally brings him out of the corner and hits a nice looking body slam, but then he goes up top for a headbutt, which he misses. Macho Man throws Meng into Jimmy Hart and the megaphone, who's up on the apron in a little bit of a lame looking spot where he supposedly hit his head on the megaphone, but with no force behind it, it really wouldn't have done too much damage. And he does of course have the uh, foreign hard head, but that's being ignored for the sake of this match. This allows Savage to go up top, nail his big elbow drop for the one, two, and the three, but unfortunately the euphoria doesn't last too long because we have a shark attack. That's right, the shark is out and all over Macho Man. Pretty soon Kevin Sullivan's back in the ring and Lex Luger comes out too and they attack the Macho Man's arm. I won't spoil anything coming up but that arm could come into play in a very interesting angle pretty soon. Um, they send it into the rope, into the post, into the guardrail and Mongo with his first great line of the night, this is just an unmitigated dismemberment here. Okay, no problem at all, Mungo. We then get our first ad for World War III, and WCW, like the WWF on this night, doing a pretty good job at hyping their upcoming pay-per-view, and I'm pretty pumped. I've never seen one of these three-ring battle royals, so I don't care how crap you tell me it might be, I'm looking forward to it. Our next match sees Kenzu... Kensuke Sasaki, I apologize, up against Chris Benoit, who comes out to a pretty good pop. He's starting to get over with the WCW faithful here. They go nose to nose in the ring and Benoit immediately goes on the attack, showing no love whatsoever. But Sasaki does fire back with a nice clothesline and a suplex, and then a really good looking power slam, but he only gets a one count. He comes off the ropes with a bit of a botched hoe train attack on Benoit, but then hits a nice clothesline and a corner whip into a bulldog, which was a nice looking spot. Gets some boos, another body slam gets him a one count, and then he locks on a chin lock. He goes for a back suplex on Benoit, who reverses it into a two count, and then they go to a series of reversals and switches, which sees Benoit come out of it, nailing two German suplex, and then on the third, changing to a dragon suplex for a three count to a really good pop. Uh, I think Benoit's still experimenting with what's going to be his finishing move here, but that one was a good one. Um, and we're told on WCW Saturday night, we're going to see Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. Really wish I was watching Saturday night this week. Sting vs. Bunkhouse Buck, tone that excitement down just a little bit, and Dean Malenko in action to keep me somewhere in the middle. So, um, good show there by the sounds of it. Looking forward to when the network starts to add those shows onto its catalogue. 
Our next contest sees Johnny B. Bad defend his television title up against Eddie Guerrero. So another match I'm really pumped for here. Um, Bad comes out and he doesn't have his um, usual sort of firework gun. DDP's got a hold of that, we're told. So he takes some frisbees out of his coat and throws them into the crowd. Um, Eddie Guerrero was given the jobber entrance, unfortunately. But he does have a good showing here. So he gets underway early with a nice looking arm drag before working over the arm of Johnny B. Bab. Bad comes back with a kip up and a reversal um, and ends up getting a tilt-to-whirl slam on Eddie Guerrero. That gets him a two count. Eddie Guerrero fires back on the next series of reversals, however, and comes out with a flying head scissors, which gains him a two count. And they have some good back and forth standing switches and reversals, which get, gets a really good pop from the crowd. Bad comes off the ropes with a nice back elbow and then comes over the top rope with a springing leg drop for a two count before Eddie Guerrero takes the arm of Johnny B. Bad, runs the ropes and flips off them into a Hurricane Rana for a two count as well. Bad comes off the top rope then with a flying sunset flip, which is another moment that defies logic. How flipping off the top rope doesn't hurt you when being press slammed off does. Um, but he does get the sunset flip for a two count. They then go into a series of pin reversals, picking up two counts along the way, before Eddie Guerrero misses a crossbody and flies over the top rope to the outside, allowing Johnny B. Bad to then come over the top himself with a somersault plancher. Some really good action and some really good spots in this match already. He misses a springboard splash then, which allows Eddie Guerrero to get a two count. Um, and Bad comes back with a nice looking European uppercut before Eddie Guerrero fires back with the sunset flip for another two count, a cradle for a two count, before Johnny B. Bad pops up and nails two sick looking punches to Eddie Guerrero. This just seems to piss Eddie off a little bit, who comes in with a bit of a spear takedown and some punches of his own, and they roll around brawling on the mat with the referee pulling them apart. And again, the crowd pops big for this sort of show of nastiness here from both men. Eddie Guerrero hits a nice back suplex and a flipping splash, and we're told by the ringside announcer there are two minutes remaining, and the curse of the television title pops back up here. Um, I really hate this belt just because of how they fucking book it every single time. Uh, Bad hits a nice looking tombstone pile driver, but that only gets a two count, and Mongo tells us we've had more two counts here than an identical twin convention, so some more pearls of wisdom from Mr. McMichael. Uh, the commentator at ringside tells us we've got one minute remaining. Eddie Guerrero hits a sick looking tornado DDT and crawls into the cover for another two count. They then both come off the ropes and nail each other with double cross bodies and they brawl to end out the time. Uh, the bell rings, the crowd boos, the referee pulls them apart and they reluctantly shake hands and hug after the match. A really good match spoiled by crappy TV title booking. I just wish this didn't have anything to do with that belt and they didn't announce it at ringside because it just annoys me when I know it's coming. Commenta commentary team then tell us that next week Hogan wants Sting on Nitro. From there we go to Gene Oakland with Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart and The Giant. Gene tells us that what Jimmy Hart did against Hulk Hogan was a scam, it was disgusting. And Jimmy Hart says, coming from Eugene, that's quite the compliment. He says the only thing he needs to worry about now is what he's going to do with his 200 Hulkamania jackets. And knowing Jimmy Hart, I can believe that he's got that many. Kevin Sullivan does a good job selling the importance of the World War III Battle Royal but tells everybody to just give the belt to the Giant now because there's no one that's going to be able to stop him. Giant then tells us that he will end Hulk Hogan's legend forever and that he will be the WCW World Heavyweight Champion forever as well. And the segment ends with the usual WCW sassy Gene having to have his last remark digs in on the heels. Um, I know I've said before I'm not a big fan of Gene in WCW. I think he just got far too much license to be a smartass and someone like the Giant should have just planked him one in my opinion. 
That brings us to our main event for the evening, which is Dean Malenko up against Sting. Another match I'm really looking forward to. This has been an awesome show for wrestling. Um, we've now had Benoit, Guerrero, and Malenko in three straight matches on Nitro. So despite the cheesiness of the main event scene with Hogan and the Giant and the Dungeon of Doom, etc., the wrestling on this show is top-notch. Sting comes out to a big pop, and as they feel each other out underway, Bischoff and Heenan make a point of talking up Malenko, um, his family history, how much of a threat he is, and Mongo McMichael on commentary immediately blows all their hard work when he says, who are you guys kidding? Sting's just far too powerful for this guy. Just a shit way to talk about someone they're trying to build up. Um, Malenko hits a shoulder block on Sting early, who no-sells it, doesn't budge at all, before Sting hits a huge press slam on Malenko, who obviously does sell that and show some pain in the back, but Dean Malenko fires back with a drop kick to the knee. He then stomps on the knee, puts a leg lock on, and we go to a commercial break where they're again hyping up the World War III ad. We come back and Dean's in control on the leg, and we're showed that in the commercial break he avoided the Scorpion Deathlock. He again hits a nice drop kick on the knee, and he stays all over Sting's legs, really staying on the offense and giving himself a good showing here. Sting eventually fights back out of the leg lock, goes for a running power slam, but Malenko slips over the top and nails a sick-looking German suplex for a two-count. Dean Malenko misses a drop kick in some more wrestling logic, he sells that momentarily, before Sting goes to set him up in the corner for the Stinger splash, but misses that as well. Dean then goes up to the top rope and comes off with a really nice looking missile drop kick before attempting to put on his Texas Cloverleaf finisher, but Sting rolls him up in a small package for the 1-2-3. The Despite Sting getting the clean win over Malenko here, Dean was definitely given a good showing for himself, stayed on offense for most of the match, and was made to look like he would definitely hang with Sting, which was a good thing to do, it's just a shame they didn't run with it. Overall though, a good main event, and we go to a commercial break, once again hyping up World War 3. When we come back from commercial, Gene's with Sting in the ring, um, but before then the commentators hype up the whole situation with Sting up against Hulk Hogan and sell the importance of the Battle Royal once again. When we do go to the ring, Sting tells us that he's willing to ignore some of the stuff that Hulk's done, but he doesn't miss out on any of it, and he knows that Hulk called him a little dog on the porch, but when it comes to World Championship Wrestling, Sting is in fact the big dog. He says that he's looking forward to the match with Hulk Hogan next week. Um, he never thought that Hulk would come knocking on his door for a match, and despite Gene's prying, he pretty much avoids talking about the Lex Luger stuff whatsoever. Um, the commentators then end the show speculating on Lex and Sting and their alliance, and that'll do it for another edition of Monday Nitro. So without any further ado, let's go over and see who won this week's challenge. So our first category for this week is production value, and we're going to give a very close call to the WWF for this one. Nitros look new and slick ever since it debuted, but on this episode there was a few little awkward pauses in the Nitro logo and music flashing for no reason because they hadn't set up the next part yet. It's a very minor quip, but Raw was pretty slick and well put together for this week. Storylines, we've gone with a tie. They both did a really good job of hyping their pay-per-views and progressed about an equal number of stories across the show. No real winner there that I could tell. For Crowd Heat, we went with WCW. Razor Ramon got one of the biggest pops of the night, definitely comparable to the Sting Pop on Nitro, but the match quality got the crowd in WCW over the line. Um, they really got into Guerrero and Johnny B. Bad, and they popped huge for Benoit as well. And Malenko Sting had a decent amount of Crowd Heat to it, whereas the likes of Mabel and Henry Godwin and Triple H, they were a pretty flat crowd for those matches. As far as characters go, the WWF just came out ahead on this one as, as well. They had Psycho Seared, Razor Ramon, the 1-2-3 Kid, Bret Hart and Diesel all featured pretty prominently, and WCW didn't do a bad job. Um, 
but they probably had slightly less of their top draw performers as far as big names on the show. Match quality, though, is going to be our deciding factor. Um, WCW, I felt, really just did too much for the WWF on this night. Um, Benoit, Malenko, and Guerrero all in action. There's no way WWF was going to compete with this. They just didn't have the names without putting Sean and Brett and the Bulldog all on the show and the kid as well, perhaps, without all those guys wrestling. They were never going to match match quality for WCW. So the actual scoring system here, Caesars go with two WWF wins, a tie, and two WCW wins. But the WCW wins, especially match quality, I felt far outweighed the very close calls that we gave to the WWF. So in probably the closest contest of the show so far, I'm going to go with Nitro over Raw, despite scoring the lower rating as the best show for November 13 in 1995. That will do it for the show today. Just a quick one to get back on track and get some more episodes out for everyone. Uh, there will be the big um, 1st January of 1999 Nitro and Raw show coming out very soon, including an interview with Richie off Twitter. So please look out for that one. I think that's going to be a good show, probably a little bit longer. And hopefully we'll be out sometime next week. Um, as I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm going to be looking for any more collaboration ideas. So if anyone has any, please feel free to get in touch. And other than that, just looking forward to getting back to business as usual before in about three weeks time, I take off back to the UK and then there will probably be a slight gap in shows there. We'll look to release some bonus content while I'm over there, but there probably won't be any of the regular stories going on in that period. Thank you all for listening. As always, thank you for downloading, giving your feedback. Um, we've gained quite a few Twitter followers in the last couple of weeks, and some of the shows have spiked up, probably due to the collaboration with Duncan from the guys at Then Now, whatever. So hopefully we'll have some more of that in the future. Uh, check us out on 4CR, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you very much. Hand out a cigar I'm letting knowledge be born And my name's the R A.K.I. am not like the rest of them I'm not on the list That's what I'm saying I drop lines like a scientist My melodies in the cold The very next episode Has the mic off and distorting Ready to explode I keep the mic at Fahrenheit Freedom season make them cola The listener's system is kicking like solar As I memorize Advertise like a poet Keep you going when the flow is smooth enough You know it but rough That's why the mural on my story I tell a B Nobody beats the Oh, check out my melody. So what am I, microphone fiend, addicted soon as I seen one of these form C's so they don't have to scream. I couldn't wait to take the mic, blow into it to test it, let my melody play. Then a record suggested I'm dropping bars, but I say peace and calm. Any MC that disagree with me, wave your arm. And I'll break when I'm through break and I'll leave you broke. Drop the mic when I'm finished and watch this smoke. So stand back, you wanna rap all of that and wait. I won't push, I won't beat around the bush. I wanna break upon those who are not supposed to You might try but you can't get close to Because I'm number one, competition is none I measure with the heat that's made by sun Brother playing ball, or bobbing in the hall I just writing my name in graffiti on the wall They shouldn't have told me, you said you controlled me So now a contest is what you owe me Pull out your money, pull out your cut Pull up a chair my name is Rockin' My Law, and R.A. stand for Ross, which it around. 
and still comes out all so easily. Will I E-M-C-E-E? My repetition of words, just check out my melody. Some bass and treble is moist, scratching and cutting a voice. And when it's mine, that's when the rhyme is always choice. I wouldn't have came and said my name and run the same week. Putting blurs and slurs and words that don't fit in a rhyme. Why waste time on the microphone? I take this more serious than just a poem. Rock from party to party, backyard to yard. I tear it up, y'all, and bless the mic with the guards. Rhyme is rugged at the same time sharp I can swing off anything, even a string of a harp Just turn it on and start rocking Mine, no introduction Till I finish dropping signs, no interruption When I approach, I exercise like a coach Choosing a melody and add numerous notes And when the mic and the R-A-K-I-M Is attached like a match, I will strike again Rhymes are poetically kept and alphabetically step Put in order to proceed with the momentum Except I say one rhyme out of order A longer rhyme, shorter, or pause but don't stop the tape recorder First rhyme editor, melody arranger, poet, etc. Extra event, the grand finale like bonus. I am the man they call the microphonist with wisdom, which means wise words being spoken. Too many at one time, watch the mic start smoking. I came to express the rap I manifest, and in my way, and I'll be the one the words protest. MCs that wanna be this, they're gonna be this. If they don't get from it, front of all they can go get is me a glass of my wet. A hard time, sip your juice and watch the smooth. I take seven MCs, put them in a line, and add seven more brothers who think they can rhyme. Well, it'll take seven more before I go for mine. Now that's 21 MCs, eight up at the same time. Easy does it, do it easy. That's what I'm doing. No fessing, no messing around, no chewing, no robbing, no buying, biting. Why bottle? This lava stop trying, fight to follow my unusual style. Will confuse you a while. If I was water, I'd flow in the Nile. So many rhymes, you won't have time to go for. Yours. Just because of a pause, I have to pause Right after tonight is when I prepare To catch another sucker duck MC out there Cause my strategy has to be tragedy, catastrophe And after this you'll call me your majesty, my melody Here's my melody Eric B Synthesized it, I memorize it. Ever be made a cut and advertised it. My melodies created for him, season the place to try to listen. Cause I'm disinfecting, so pick up your face. Shook off your neck, cause you try to check my pace. Now you're drugging, almost drugging off my rhyme like bass. The melody that I'm styling, smooth as a violin. Rough enough to break New York from Long Island. My wisdom is swift, no matter if my momentum is slow. MC still stand stiff, I'm genuine like leather. Decline to be clever. MC, you beat the R, I'll say, oh, never. So Eric. B, cut it easily and check out my melody.
out my, check out, check out my melody. Check, check, check.